Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Well, in these weeks leading up to Christmas, in this Advent season, uh, we've been looking at some, some good news. And the good news is this, that God sends light into darkness. God sends light into darkness. We've been considering that from the, these last couple weeks. The first week, we looked at some foundational passages from Genesis chapter one and John chapter one and considered that God sends light into darkness. This is who God is. This is, it's part of his job description, if you will. He always sends light into darkness. Right, in Genesis one, we saw that God, as the spirit of, was hovering above the water, said, let there be light, and light came into darkness. We looked at John chapter one and descriptions of Jesus and the light has come and the light has shown in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and so light always overcomes darkness and so that's who God is God sends light into darkness last week we considered the account in John chapter 9 a man born blind and Audrey shared about how Jesus came to change the narrative I loved that line Jesus came he always comes to change our narratives and he changed the narrative of this blind man's life and showed us that if we want to walk in this life we have to walk by the light of Jesus and therefore, this man whose physical darkness, his physical blindness was overcome, and he could see the light of the world, Jesus himself. And so the prayer for these weeks has been a simple but powerful one. Jesus, light it up. Jesus, light it up. I've asked you to consider putting on your phone an alarm at 1225 for 1225, December 25th, as a reminder every single day to stop and to thank God for Jesus and to pray a simple prayer, that simple but powerful prayer, Jesus, Light it up. Pray it for yourself. Pray for other people in their darkness. Pray it for this world. And say it with me out loud. Say it. Jesus, light it up. I've got all kinds of messages and phone calls and email messages, great stories of things that have been happening. I've had people tell me that business meetings have been interrupted by their phones going off and people saying, what is that all about? I heard someone else say that in her elementary school class that, the, that went off and because it's a public school she couldn't describe too much about it but now when it goes off every day the students say Merry Christmas. <laughs> and so I don't know how it's interrupting your day. Um, if you haven't done it yet, it's not Christmas yet, you can still do it. Set an alarm to go off every day at 12.25 p.m. And may it interrupt your day and remind you that you're not left in darkness, whatever you're facing. And that... If you have a loved one who's facing darkness, they're not left there. Or even in this world, for all the different ways we may want to give up hope, we could always come back to that prayer and pray, Jesus, light it up. Light it up. And so may that be the case. And so as we continue today, we're going to look more around what resists light. Light, um, now darkness is the absence of light, but there's a resistance. And we're going to look at that and take a frank and honest look at that today. Because all of us in some form of a capacity are facing darkness. There's some type of darkness we're facing. Maybe we're facing something where there's an uncertain future and there's fears and anxiety around that and there's darkness there. Maybe it's relational darkness. Maybe it's in a relationship that you're in and you're not sure how it's gonna go or how it's gonna end up or if anything could change and there's darkness there. Maybe it's emotional or mental darkness. You're facing depression. You're facing a struggle. There's just this darkness that you can't shake, and you're asking and wondering, can this be shaking? Can this get better? Can my life be changed? Maybe it's a health-related darkness. Maybe in your own life, you're facing a disease or a health condition or someone that you love, and you're not sure how it's going to end up. Or maybe it's spiritual darkness. 
Maybe as you walk through this world and you're wondering, does God exist? Does he still care? Maybe there's a sense of there's a wall or a distance from God and you're, you're facing darkness this season. And, and yeah, there's lots of lights on the houses as you drive around and there's happy music on the radio, but you're not feeling it. You're feeling dark and there's darkness. And so whether you're here with us in person or you're joining us online, grateful that you're clicking in, we all need help with light into darkness. And so the question we need to ask is, what's the source of darkness? And as we think about spiritual darkness in particular, what is the source? Because if you want to move forward in life, like any, any, any situation, if you're, whether it's in sports or in like warfare, you need to know what you're facing, what you're going up against. And today we're going to take an honest look at what stands against the light, the resistance that's truly there against God and against his light in this world. And as we do, we're going to consider this good news, though. The good news in the midst of the struggle is that God sends the light of the gospel into our darkness so we can see clearly, live freely, and walk confidently. If you remember anything from the sermon, remember this, that God sends the light of the gospel into our darkness so we can see clearly, live freely, and walk confidently. But the fact is, darkness is real. And if God's going to send light into that darkness, we need to be real of the source of that darkness. And so we're going to look at a passage in Scripture today that gets very real about who resists God. And the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the the Christians in Corinth. It's the second letter we're going to look at today, part of it. And in this, like all of other Paul's letters, he writes to a community of Christians with the goal of sharing about the meaning and significance of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and then exhorting them to live a life in light, of the, in light of Jesus. And here in the middle of this letter, a couple chapters in, Paul gets real about who resists God and what that resistance looks like, but then how God counteracts that resistance with the light of the gospel. And here Paul refers to a cryptic person, an entity. He calls this person or entity the God of this age. Here Paul is referring to God's adversary. In places in scripture called Satan or the devil. And we're going to get real about who this person is and how he's real. He's not a fairy tale. He's not what you see in Halloween costumes. That there is resistance to God. That there's a good God. A God is all powerful. But there's, there's those who resist God. And here we're going to look at what's described as the God of this age and what he does. And then how God responds with the light of the gospel. So do that. We're going to look at first, I mean, Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verses four through six. Hear this description. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So here in verse 4, Paul shares about the God of this age. A Bible commentator, Paul Barnett, describes this, uh, the God of this age as like the master of this age, meaning the one who's really in, uh, the power behind every idol, everything that stands against God. Not that... There is this entity is another God because there's only one true God. 
But that description here focuses on someone who can act like a god, who works through the powers of, uh, in this world, specifically idols. Everything that competes for our attention, affection, and allegiance to God. And so here, Paul describes this person as the God of this age. And what is his job description? The description is that he blinds the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see. It's a fascinating description. It's a job description given here that he blinds the mind, blinds the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see. Blinds, meaning takes away sight. And he puts them in the dark. Have you ever been blindfolded? I see some heads nodding. Maybe going back to childhood, playing, um, like pin the tail on the donkey, or going to, going to some kind of, um, <clears throat> going to some type of party, having a shirt put around your head, and being blindfolded. It's a horrible feeling. You could be making faces at me right now, I wouldn't even know it. I see you, Amy Newcomb. No, but the fact that, the fact that, Different people making faces. No, but uh, so pin the tail on the donkey. You spin five times. I'm not going to do it, or I'll land on this table in front of me. And then you go try and pin it on. Or maybe you've been at a, a some type of uh, team building experience where I know I've had this back in my software development days. We would go away for an offsite, and someone would be blindfolded and taken through some obstacle course. It's a horrible feeling of not knowing where you're walking. Um, take this off. But the um, I remember as a child, there was a game, maybe you have this as well, called, it was a game called Blind Man's Bluff. Anyone ever play this game, know what I'm talking about? Any children of the 80s here? All right, so that, and I guess look, Googling it, it's actually, I think, called Blind Man's Buff because buff means to push. But the way it worked is you would be blindfolded and spun around five times, and then you, in a room, you'd have to go find and tag someone else. If you tag them, then they would be blindfolded. Now, as elementary and middle school boys would have it, it wasn't that simple. You'd be blindfolded and then spun around and then all your friends would have pillows and would start pounding you as you were going around. It's a horrible feeling. In fact, I probably should, I think I may need to go to therapy the more I think about this game. Because you put a blindfold on, you get spun around, and you're trying to reach out for friends. You're just getting pounded on every side. It's a horrible feeling. You don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going. You're completely in the dark. In the dark. Now, this is all children's games, right? Especially, um, pin the tail on the donkey or blind man's bluff. But here, this is not so much children's game but what's, what Paul's talking about. He's describing being blinded. Um, that the God of this age blinds the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. That's a key phrase, the light of the gospel. Light, meaning the source, but also how it illuminates. And the gospel, right? This is the description of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the announcement of victory. It's everything that's about Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection. And through his resurrection, how he overcame all evil, overcame all sin, overcame death itself, and was resurrected in real time, showing us that death does not have the final word. And here, what Paul is saying, that the God of this age, the one who stands against God, blinds the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of this gospel, both the hope that's there, but also that light that allows them to live differently. And he says, take this seriously. This is the bad news that's found in verse 4. In essence, I believe when I read this passage, for me, as a follower of Christ, I have to recognize and acknowledge that Satan or the devil is real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something that's made up, that there is resistance to God. And Jesus himself talked about, about Satan or the devil. In, in John 8, he said this. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, 
for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Here, Jesus himself calls him a liar, a deceiver. Other places he's seen as one who tempts. In essence, he's one who puts people in the dark. He wants to separate us from God. He wants us to be alone, trapped, and lost. In other words, he's not on your side, and he's not your friend if you're seeking to follow God. Jesus, in another place, in John 10.10, when he talks about himself as the good shepherd, contrasts himself to Satan. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. In contrast, Jesus says he, that he is the one that, that came that they may have life and have it to the full. Here, Jesus describes his adversary or his enemy, or Satan, which literally means accuser, one who tells on us. Right? And so coming back to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, we see that he is the one, the God of this age, who blinds the minds of unbelievers. Yeah, that's his job description. So that's the bad news. What's the good news? Well, God's not finished with us. In verse 5, we see how Paul says that he came as one who's to declare and to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's the light of the gospel. Acknowledging that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who came to save. He's Savior. And he's not just Savior, but he's also Lord. And by believing this to be true, that Jesus is who he said he is, and therefore that he is Lord, that he is Master, that he is the Savior, that we could receive the light of the gospel. And what happens from that light of the gospel? Moving on to verse six, here's the good news. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God, God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Here, he says, this is the same God who said, let there be light. It's echoes of Genesis chapter one. It's also the same God who lived out what was said in Isaiah nine. Those who walking in darkness would see a great light. This is the God who shines light in the darkness, Paul says. And he's the one who then, because of that, shines light into our hearts. Allows us to see. Allows us to live freely and walk confidently in light of Christ. And so, Paul, in many ways, is speaking autobiographically. Because he had this experience. Paul, whose mind was blinded. As you read in the book of Acts, Saul, who was persecuting Christians, killing Christians, responsible for it, on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians, had a supernatural experience. In Acts chapter 9, we read about this. And there was a light that shone around him from heaven. And it wasn't just a physical light. It's almost like light came into him. And his life was changed. And eventually, he came to the sense that uh, he was blinded by the light. And then as he went, and someone named Ananias came to him and prayed over him, it's like scales fell from his eyes, we read in Acts chapter 9. And his life was changed. He went from being the biggest persecutor of Christians to being going out and sharing about Jesus as the Son of God. His life transformed upside down. His narrative was changed because the light of the gospel came to him, the light of that good news. It came and changed his life. Now that's Paul. Uh, this happened to me as well. And I've shared some of my story with you at different points. We're in this very building, right up in room 300. As a freshman in high school, I was in a Bible study. And in it, I was, we were studying 1 John chapter 4, and I've shared about this, this great verse. This is love, not that we loved, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Of which one of my friends said, the, the truth of this is that we don't have to be perfect for God to love us. And it was like, in that moment when he said that, something happened to me. It's like scales fell from my eyes. 
It was at a moment of freshman in high school where things started to turn dark. I started to engage and dabble in some sin, and I found myself feeling guilt and shame, and I didn't think God could love me. And here in this Bible study, with friends and a trusted adult mentor saying, no, God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. He loves you. And there was a sense of freedom, a sense of joy, a sense of the light of the gospel, saying, I'm, God saying, you're mine. And there's nothing you can do to lose that adoption. And I gave my life to Christ. And my life changed from that. It was turned upside down. God interrupted my narrative. This is what God does. He sends light into darkness. He helps people see when they can't see. And he does it via the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, for all of us, uh, we're gonna experience resistance against this. So maybe you're here today and you're wondering, what's this Jeff Lee guy even talking about? What's this gospel? What about Jesus? Maybe you've never heard this amazing news that God hasn't given up on you, that despite any mistakes, any sin that you've done, that Jesus went to the cross, died for the forgiveness of your sins, and he took on the penalty that you deserve to pay, meaning death, and he took that penalty for you. And you've never heard this good news, and you're like, is this too good to be true? And I want to receive this news. I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to be baptized. This news is for you. I'd love to talk to you more about that. If you want to have a conversation or if you want to talk to one of our elders or talk to someone, I'm sure they would love to engage in a conversation around the meaning and significance of Christ and what that means. Because the bad news from this passage, 2 Corinthians 4.4, is that the God of the sage has blinded every person who has not come to a point to believe that Jesus has done this for you. I know that doesn't sound culturally sensitive in our time, that you're blind. I didn't say it. God said it in his word. And if we believe that he's spoken, that we are blinded apart from Christ, and he wants to give you sight. He wants to help you see clearly. He wants to help you walk freely, I mean, live freely, and he wants you to walk confidently in light of that. That's the good news of Christianity. Now, for others, who've, if you've received this good news and you've named Christ as Lord, the challenge is that we are still, there's still resistance to our faith that there's still resistance to God who wants to pull us away from God and, and to, in essence, almost like put us in darkness again. And we need to resist that with God's help. We need the light of the gospel there as well. Because let me tell you this, that has been so helpful. Some of you may have read this book, Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And in it is a description really of this type of battle. It's, from, it's a set of letters from a fictitious uncle who's an evil spirit to a, his nephew. And they're talking about how to pull people away from God and pull people away from Christ. And in this letter, though, in the beginning, uh, C.S. Lewis makes it very clear there's two extremes when it comes to God's adversary or the devil. One is to take him too seriously and think he runs everything and to give him too much power. That's one extreme. The other extreme is to pretend he doesn't exist and he's just a fairy tale and that this is like Halloween and I should be up here with a devil's costume on and, and he's, that he's, it's just fiction. C.S. Lewis says don't go to either extreme. Don't give him too much power because the fact is Jesus is the victor. He's won the war. The war is over. Jesus has won the war. But the battles continue. The way I look at God's adversary saying it's like a sore loser. Picture a basketball game. Team's up by 30. There's only a minute left. The game's over. The game's over. But the team that's losing decides to take some cheap shots before the game is over. Some rough fouls. That's what God's adversary is like. He's trying to take cheap shots at you if you're a follower of Christ to try and discourage you before this war is all over. He's a sore loser. He's losing. He's done. But 
it could still make it difficult. We need to embrace the light of Christ. We need to turn to him and say, Jesus, light it up. Whenever there's darkness, to call upon light. So if you are a follower of Christ, you've seen the light of the gospel, continue to live in the light, call out for that light. That's the encouragement, I believe, from this passage as well. So overall, let's remember this, that God has sent the light of the gospel into your darkness. Right, so you can see clearly, you can live freely, and you can walk confidently in Christ. And what's one thing to do? It's gonna be the same thing almost every week, and that's okay. It's to identify one area of darkness in your life that you're facing, and to call out to God in prayer about this. Now, I wanna add one more thing this week, is to reach out to someone, a trusted person, and share this with them. Don't try and carry this alone. Whatever darkness you're facing, wherever you're calling out to God, and wherever you're calling out, Jesus light it up. Don't just try and carry that burden alone. Reach out to another person. Don't try and carry it on your own. Reach out to, even if it's someone in this church, if it's a, someone you're sitting with, maybe it's an elder or a deacon, or reach out to me. But don't carry that darkness alone. Call out to God. Reach out to another person. Let's not get to Christmas remaining in that darkness and not calling out to God and not reaching out for help for someone else. Remember again, God sends the light of the gospel into our darkness so we can see clearly, we can live freely, and we can walk confidently, recognizing that Jesus is the victor. He's won the war, and he'll carry us forward. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we've considered these deep truths today, help us to be encouraged by the fact that your light shines in darkness, and the darkness never overcomes it. God, you are good, and what you do is good. And so I pray for each person who's heard this message, whatever they're facing today, whatever darkness is before them, Lord, that they will call out to you. And Jesus, indeed, that you would light it up. Indeed, you would do that magnificent work, and you would provide freedom and help where it's needed. I pray, Lord, you would also bring to mind someone that we can share what we're facing to, and to bring that burden to someone else so that we, that person could then pray for us as well, that we would not carry these burdens alone in this world. Oh, Lord, have your way. We offer ourselves to you. We need your light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>